Ah, and now that you're here, we're all in the company of your cool aunts. I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And this is the Your Cool Aunts podcast, where we follow the lives and times of cool aunts through Claire's diary. So welcome back. Or if you're new here, hop on over to our website, and there you'll find all of Claire's diary entries, her photographs, and our backstory. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. We are in a series that Claire has called Love, War, Champagne. And I don't know. Is that all together? No, there are no punctuation marks. There are mm. no ampersands. There are no other words. Love, war, champagne. Well, I guess if you get two out of three, that's pretty good. Love and champagne <laughs> and in the time of war or something. Yeah, this is good. Okay. Anyway, so here we are. We're another in the series from Claire. Do you have any thoughts before I Yeah, I was going to say hi. Them? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you're so anxious to get into it. You didn't even well, have our usual greeting. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I'm real good. Okay, let's go. I'm looking for it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's over with. Okay, let's go. Okay, okay. Claire's note. Nieces, aunts, and friends. Obviously, I have been intrigued by these old diaries that Laurent has shared with me over time. It's one thing to read a good story. It's another to read a well-written one. And it's an altogether different experience to read a well-written, compelling story and by a seemingly anonymous author. And there she's referencing the author of the diary that she was reading. And Claire continues, I thought my head couldn't absorb another syllable, only to turn another page and continue on reading for another few hours. That's what these diaries have done to me. The writer's mindset is so familiar that I've wondered if it was Laurent's, except for the fact that it is wholly of another generation and not of her experiences at all. It's a mystery to me, but I feel it is a knowable one. There are a few clues here and there, such as timing and location, initials, and even maybe, dare I say, the level of education, given the writing. I just don't know, at least for now, that is. And she signs off. We'll talk again soon. So let yeah. me get let me be a little let me get some clarity. So she gets these diaries <laughs> Go from ahead, try. <laughs> well, I'm I'm throwing it out there. I'm sure other people are thinking the same thing. So she gets these diaries from Laurent. But well, she without, gets a diary at a time. She gets a diary from her aunt Laurent. But she doesn't tell her who wrote the diary. This is like you'll figure it out as you read along. Is that supposed to be the gist of it? I don't know any more than you do. It's a diary that Laurent hands to her and says, we'll talk about this when you finish reading it. And sometimes it's a little bit of time. And she said once it was almost a year before she had a chance to talk to Laurent about the last one that she'd read. So we only know what she tells us. We don't know. She doesn't give us any other information as to who were no, the people we have are the, who wrote Claire's the note and her diary entry and that's it. I was thinking about a book I was reading, I read not long ago, and it was about a guy who wanted to learn how to make wine. And he went to a bookseller in France. I don't know exactly where it was, but he found an old book that had notations from, I guess, back in the 1800s or something, a person who had a vineyard. And from there, he duplicated what the person had written in their diary about growing grapes. So I'm wondering if this is something that is 
across the board, whether you were a vineyard owner or a person such as whoever's diary this was, that they just wrote a lot. They just kept diaries and wrote about everything. Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? Yeah, but what was interesting about this book I read was that he found this diary, this book, in a bookstore. And from there, he read that person's material and that contained in that diary. And that's what helped him learn the process that he was seeking at that point to learn how to be a better So he used it as an instruction manual to craft his own wine. Right, exactly. Well, I mean, that's one winemaker, vintner, or even farmer who picked up the published work of another person, added notations to it. And then the man you're talking about finds the book with a notation and makes a wine from that. Right. So from the knowledge of at least two people. Right. So it's kind of a quasi-diary book. That was different than what we're talking about here, Mm. where she actually has a real diary from someone Mm -hmm. from the past. Well, Claire is, you know, she speaks of the writing as being so compelling, both the story and the way it's written. You know, and she's reading someone's diary, so this is not an edited, crafted kind of thing. I mean, that's pretty special when you can think of someone's writing in their in a personal diary as a very high quality, you know, composition, if you will. I think there's something so special about reading someone else's diary, like peeking into their lives. Yeah, if they want to let you in. If they want to let you in. Yeah, that's always a question. Well... You know, and again, there's a little bit of a difference between a diary and a journal. And I'm not sure that everyone uses the term either interchangeably or is it a distinction without a real difference? How so? In my mind, and this could be a very strange... In your mind and only your mind. Journals to me are exploring more of a thought. I'm thinking about this and they write about it. A diary is, this happened today... Tomorrow, I hope to do that. You know, it's a more collection of details where, in my mind, a journal is developing an idea sometimes or exploring an idea. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. And that's what it means to me, and I don't rely on that Then they've got all kinds of variations on the theme like bullet journals, you know, or bullet diaries. Oh, that's just just because they want to sell you that paper with the dots on it. (laughs) (laughs) They just want to say, but I did read about a woman who kept the diary for 30 or 40 years, and it was one sentence a day. That's all she wrote. And it's she called the doable it. diary. <laughs> and she used it. No, really, but she used it as I think to recollect brilliant. down the road what that particular day brought to her. Actually, and that's a pretty I cool have idea. A travel journal, or maybe it's a diary. <laughs> Again, there's the distinction where I just wrote a brief note of the day, and it was to reference the photographs I had taken on that day. You know, today was the day we went to you know Giverny, or you know, and then you have the reference of the. It's probably not a great example because those pictures would be very telling of what they were. But but even when you think about pictures where you could write something, like mm-hmm. somebody who was who the people were, which is, you mm-hmm. know, when you get those old family pictures and there's nobody there to interpret who were these yeah, people. Who's that in the background? You know, where were you? Mm-hmm. What was going on? Mm-hmm. And even then you have a record of some sort. Versus now, we take a picture and the camera tells us or the phone tells us it was taken on this date. But the physical diary or the physical picture tells you so much more than something you can read on a screen. Yeah. Well. Boy, we really went down a rabbit hole, didn't we? Okay. I'm, maybe oh, this should be called the rabbit hole back. podcast. <laughs> I'm Sam and you're Ted. And let's get back to the podcast. <laughs> okay. And again, we're in the series of Love, War, Champagne. Everybody come back. <laughs> okay. So this next section, Claire has entitled Ink and Paper. And this is from the old diary. 
This is not Claire's diary. This is the old diary that she's reading. And it says, eight American soldiers have been staying in the Cobbs with us for a few months on and off. The Cobbs are the Cobbs of Champagne, started by the Romans as they mined out limestone block to build with and leaving the cavernous voids behind. It didn't take long for the locals here to discover that the Cobbs were temperature stable year-round at around 60 degrees. A welcome relief from the heat, extreme cold, and rain or snow, too, not to mention German armies. It could be damp down there, but these Cobbs have saved generations of the people of Champagne and provided a place to mature and store their wines and treasures, too. Just a thought before we continue. I remember that in the last podcast episode, we spoke at some length about how the Cobbs came to be with the Romans excavating. So it's interesting to see that reference here. I mean, that's a very significant presence among the people in Champagne are the Cobbs, how they came to be. And there are other Roman ruins in the area. Anyway, the presence of the Romans and what they left behind is significant. That said, so we had made that observation. That's all I was saying. <laughs> okay. Shall we continue on? Sure. Come as on. we usually say. The next section has a subtitle in it, and it says they returned, and the Americans left almost a week ago and returned yesterday, turned back by German troop movements, they said. But I have my doubts, though. I think they may have come back for us, the villagers, to be here with us on Christmas. And they had a certain swagger to their stride as they walked back into the cob, carrying big U.S. mail bags, no mail, Instead, everything from sweets and warm blankets to what I think is the best thing in the world, pens, ink, and paper. (laughs) Well, okay. They came back at the best possible moment, too. It's been weeks since my last diary entry. And as you might guess, ink and paper are the best Christmas gifts I could have wished for, even in the best of times. Thanks to them, I'm back in my diary with so much to say, and I'll do my best to include the things that seem to matter for all of us, Some may be minor, but these are the details from our lives as they happened. I'll never pretend to be an historian with an objective viewpoint. I'm just like you. I'm a young woman trying to sort things out in my diary. That sounds very reminiscent of something we've heard before. Well, she is. She's writing to the future. (laughs) Right. I know what this sounds like. Okay, Uh, I think I get it. This sounds like a young woman who was given a diary and told, much like Claire, here, Write about it in your diary. It'll help. And and she acknowledges that here, knowing that she's going, you know, I think in a, in a sort of a way, knowing that maybe one day somebody will read this as she may have read someone before her. Maybe it's writing as therapy. <laughs> right, really, because well, it is. It, That's it's exactly working it, it out, right? You're working it out by you know, putting your thoughts down. Yeah, figure out your troubles or weed through them here. The earliest iterations of talk therapy, I guess. <laughs> And then the writer starts again. She says, catching up in the diary. Here in the next many pages are several months of catching up. It's been a while since I ran out of ink and paper. It did hang heavy over me as I lay in bed, thinking about what I would have written about that night. And although it was never a grave concern, I missed writing here, and so much so that I felt a sense of loss, too. It was the one respite, a place for me to sort through my thinking, really my feelings, Okay, I got to stop there. I, you know, the more I go on, the more I'm seeing that her experience, her, Claire's experience is similar to hers. Now, remember, I'm not reading from the diary because that was in French. 
You know, I was going to ask you. So Claire has translated. Someone, no, I'm sure it's Claire. Claire has translated this, so I'm looking at a, you know, printed up copy here. But she said. was looking at the real thing. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not looking at pen and ink right. on old paper with drips and stains. <laughs> kind of wish I was. But she continues, and she says, "I did continue the habit of keeping a mental diary without ink and paper, as I reviewed the days that lay behind and ahead as I fell asleep." And I never expected to get so much out of keeping and writing a diary until I started. And then it was so obvious to me. I can't even believe I was without this for so long. It's a good thing we found one another, this diary in me. Where do you read this part? This is, or where do you hear this part, I should say. The diary experience is just as my aunt and my mother said it could be. Affirming, clarifying, and especially calming. Every night after I've made an entry in the diary, I feel as though I can move on to the next day. The worries of this day are behind me, and I can sleep before I need to address whatever may be next. I guess they were right, and I know they're smiling to themselves, watching me write by the candle glow every evening. Maybe they feel some calm by watching me put the day to bed, too. Yeah, this woman is a good writer, Claire. I like this. Mm. It's interesting, too, that she continued the practice of thinking about things and thinking them through, even though she wasn't able to drag a pen across paper. Yeah, but I'm wondering, since that's something that she was so much a part of her everyday experience, that when she didn't have that, how she probably felt very lost, Mm -hmm. you know, that she didn't have the opportunity, if you will, to write it down. So now she had to try to commit it to memory. Mm -hmm. And then here comes the pen and paper shows up. Yeah. Well, she did say, she said it didn't, what did she say? It did hang heavy over me as I lay in bed, thinking about what I would have written that night. And then she started to kind of keep a mental diary. And just the process of doing that and trying to register in your memory what you would have written. Mm. And the fact that it was her aunts and her mother who told her, no, this is going to help you. Affirming, clarifying, and especially calming. I mean, these people are living in the coves in the of northern of the- France, German occupation, the bombs and stuff going on outside. I mean, life is difficult up there. They're farmers. Yeah. It's cold. It's difficult and it's uncertain. Life is always uncertain, but it's difficult and it's especially uncertain because you don't know what is coming tomorrow. Like looking at the future has to be really daunting or had to have been daunting for them. Well, okay. Ready? Yep. Okay. So she continues. All is not lost, my dear pen and paper, my diary. I love the way she's being personal with this, my diary and me. And she says, we have some catching up to do with the hope that we will all be here in the diary after the war when things are normal once again. I know I'm not alone, wishing for the, those interminably long and boring summer days not so very long ago, or the gray winter days when we pruned our vines that burned in the barrels and wisped smoke across the vineyard hills that scented the air for months. Let me step out of the voice of the diarist here. That is very reminiscent of something Claire wrote about her observations of the harvest season. I was thinking of that wisp of... The wisp of smoke. Huh. You can always smell. You can almost smell it, you know? Yeah. In New England, it, it is... I don't think many people do this anymore in the suburb areas, but out in the 
out in the woods they do, out in the more rural part, where they'll, there'll be a leaf pile burn. Or even the smell of a, a fireplace burning. I was going to say, smelling a wood fireplace. Wood stoves oh. and fireplaces. That's so good. It is. It's like the first fire. The first fire, when people first start uh, the, first the season. The season. You know, that first chilly and night. And it's like, you know, ooh, oh. and you put on the logs. and it, Oh, my gosh, I really love that. You know, I remember as a kid, a house we stayed in um, by the water, actually, and it was... They had a fireplace, and I was obsessed with it. You know, here it is summer, and I'm a little kid, and I'm dying to have a fire. You know, we didn't obviously <laughs> turn on didn't, the air conditioning. I didn't have no. There was this was a cabin. There was oh. no air conditioning. I mean, it was more than a cabin, but it it was not winterized. Let me put it that way. And there was a big stone fireplace, and I would venture to guess that people had cooked on it as well. But I was obsessed with the idea of having a fire there, and. Man, I worked on my <laughs> Did it summer. work? Were you successful? We, yes, because my grandmother stayed with us for for a few weeks. And she had us all twisting newspapers, you know, to get... Mm-hmm. We didn't have, like, kindling or anything. We just had some big chock-a-block logs. And she, so she had all the kids twisting newspaper to get the fire going. Because in my mind, my grandmother knew how to do everything. <laughs> and we did, and we had a fire. There were chilly nights and... You know, August, you always come across a night when you could use a little fire in the summertime. You know? Even in the summer. Okay, come back. <laughs> well, it's funny because we usually come back to Claire and now we're coming back to Claire and somebody else. Right? Yeah, I'm looking for where I left off here. Ah, yeah. So she, she had just said, in the gray winter days when we pruned our vines that burned in the barrels and whisked smoke across the vineyard hills scenting the air for months. Okay. For anyone who might find and read this one day in the short or long future, my advice to you is the same advice I received from those knowledgeable women in my life. Whatever your present status is or the challenges that may confront you, writing always helps. You need not focus on difficulties. Try anything. Try a dream sequence to a comment from earlier in the day, really anything, or just an observation from the day. Jot down those descriptions and thoughts because the process of keeping a diary helps more than you might imagine. It always helps me in coping and understanding as we engage life and all of our challenges every day from the village and down here living as best as we can in these champagne calves. And now for you, my reader, or possibly even me, just a few years down the road from here, my hope is that you might understand why we stood firm and refused to leave like so many before us. We are one, no matter the time that flies between us. These are my thoughts with a few from others, too. Hmm. She really is writing to the future. I suppose sometimes we should read all the way through it because I think in our comment we anticipate and right, it, right. it comes to pass as it, as it plays out as we read through with, you know, the the women in her life giving her the guidance to keep a diary to, you know, to sort things out. She acknowledges that much more than Claire in a way, you know. Mm. Well, uh, no, I guess they both do then. Well, I think when you view a diary from her perspective, it seems to me that a diary becomes almost like a repository of yourself, your thoughts and your ideas and your fears and whatever else. It's this place that holds all of that. You know what I mean? So it becomes mm-hmm. almost like a friend. 
you know, you can tell it anything. There's no judgment. It's right there. Exactly. You know? And you can go back and review if you want to what you've said to before, what you've written before. The thing I think is impressive, though, is she has more confidence than I've ever had because she's writing as though, yeah, somebody might read this and, it, and she's fine with that. Like it's her intent, mm. you know. Maybe. Well, maybe that's a different viewpoint in terms of how you write. You're not I mean, hiding something. You're... Well, she's writing for herself. She's writing for the process of keeping a diary that's helping her. And in the same moment, she's also acknowledging that someone may well read it. And may benefit from it. Right. Because mm -hmm. it seems like she has benefited from the journals or the diaries she has read before. She makes a reference to that, doesn't mm -hmm. she? The yeah, women who so. came before. Yeah. You said something a minute ago about that. Let me, let me continue here. Sure. She writes... When her expression changed, and she says, my writing here is not a selfless act. I am an almost 20, an almost 20 year old French woman looking for a way to help myself and help the rest of the people here too. I see my own grandparents looking to me for guidance now. And it wasn't even a year ago when I turned to them as my ultimate knowers and fixers of everything. And she has knowers and fixers like with air quotes. We have exchanged roles, my grandmother and me. She's a petite woman who once towered over me in her kitchen. And even though she has looked up to me in size for years, she will always tower over me in the best of ways. And I remember exactly when her expression changed. And for the first time, I saw questions rather than answers. I saw fear where I'd never seen it before. I pulled her close for a long hug patting her back for reassurance, as she has always done for me. It's an equal exchange, I think. I'm getting more comfortable with my new role whenever I see this expression. And recently, I've asked myself if I'm feeling a little empowered in some way by the sense that I've earned her trust. I think so. And while I'm not surprised by her trust, I am surprised that the other villagers here have accepted my so-called authority so readily they usually disagree about everything, even when they agree. So, a little sarcasm. <laughs> I think that's probably true of all villages, all small gatherings of people, even families, right? This is so deep, so emotional, so touching that... I think what's really touching is when the roles change. Last year, she says, I was looking to them, to her grandmother, and now The her ultimate knowers and fixers of everything, and now they're the elderly looking at her like, how are we going to make it through this? Right. I mean, think about it. They're down in the cob. They're surviving, living down there. Probably their homes have probably been destroyed. Who knows? Right. right. But it's how quick the roles changed. It seems right. like, you know, we think that, oh, it's going to be, you know, all of a sudden, 10 years down the road, you'll be an elder. But a circumstance can change that in the moment. Right. Because mm -hmm. she was saying, last year I looked up to them and now they're looking up to me. Mm -hmm. And she's 20. So... Yeah. That's a real Well, this is World step. War Two, being almost 20. She's not almost quite there. 20. She's almost 20. And at that age, everyone's married and off building a family usually. Most, most young women, I would say the vast majority. There's one more little section. Okay. And she says, note to self. And so whether this diary is read again by me in the near future or by a great granddaughter or anyone else who might find this in a hayloft or a wall, I love that, <laughs> finding the diary in a headlock or a wall. This is the way it is as I write it in my diary. This is the life we do have in these cobs. 
What I know for sure is that we, or I, cannot fail or blink. The smallest of details will be the distance between our success or failure. And for me right now, avoiding hunger and Germans. This is the one premise I hope you will take from my writing. Commit to memory and apply to any situation from your kitchen to the front lines of war. Details matter. They are the only and sole difference we can make. And as my own grandmother has always known and handed down to me, this is the only distinguishing factor between man and beast if only we make the effort. Details do matter. There's Yet again, about another bro- reference yeah. to an earlier story. Right. I think it was called Details Matter, wasn't it? Or something like it, that. It was called exactly that. It was when Claire organized her luncheon to celebrate her graduation. And she got all the details right. Right. And her aunt showed up. Yes. Well, what have we learned from this one? She's almost 20. Her grandparents are there with her. She's gotten this ink. So what happened to the ink and paper? She's writing the diary. I know. She's writing writing the diary now, but there's no connection how she got that ink and paper. No, she's just, well, the Americans brought it for her. But the Americans brought it for her. So she's very happy. It's a Christmas gift, and she's doing some catching up writing. She's writing for herself, and she's also writing to the future. Right. And I think she has to be hopeful about the future for the circumstance that she's in. I think that, that's yeah. a real underlining of the issue. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were living this way for several years, as I recall. Even before there was a full-on occupation by the Germans, they were in northern France for a long time before they were occupying the, the country as a whole. Right, right. These people were surviving and fighting or not, or just trying to... they've always survived down in the cobs. Right. When all else fails, the cobs are there. Wow. Well, I'm really... I'm very well, intrigued thank you, by Claire. this. This is really, this is really good. I think it brings together the past and the present in a way I didn't expect. And now this theme of diary legacy is playing out more fully. I now guess. we understand why Claire writes what she writes. But we understand. Her own diary, I mean. And in addition to that, we understand more of Laurent's mission or purpose with this, I think. Laurent is a very intriguing, I see Laurent in a lot of different, I guess, from a lot of different perspectives. So many pieces are coming together except the one that we're all asking ourselves right now, who are these people? Who are they? Right. You know, we see details matter. We see the inspiration and guidance of other women relatives. I mean, they're usually relatives just because families were, were pretty close in physical proximity. Right. Especially that, yeah, during that time. For sure. the most part, right. There are some gaps here, and I venture to guess that Claire will eventually <laughs> fill some of them in for or us. Keep us in suspense. Yeah, but like you say, there's there's an interesting... There's something particularly interesting about Laurent, other than the fact that we know officially she is a cool aunt, and that the way she organizes these things to happen, and she's profoundly patient with people. You know, she suggests things to Claire. She lets things happen. She lets people find their way. She's there to provide a little bit of direction. She's like a guide, a life guide. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, Claire. So what are your thoughts out there? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, wherever you listen to our podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Ted. And we'll see you next time when we're back at the mic. Bye.